and welcome to It's Solid Food. So today we're going to talk about lies and deception and trickery. Are you being deceived? You probably are, and you may not even realize it. And that's what we're going to talk about today on It's Solid Food. So I am Christina Caramo, and now it's time to get some solid food. Welcome to Solid Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So today we're talking about deception. Deception. You know, most of us are extremely deceived about many things in society. We're deceived about ourselves. We're deceived by so much. And we don't fully understand how deception plays such an integral role in the destruction of humanity and the, the inadequacy of our own lives and many of the problems we face. Deception has plagued mankind since the beginning. When you think about the story of the Garden of Eden, what was one of the most essential things Satan had to do to get Eve to go along with rebelling against God and therefore telling her husband, come on, sweetie, give us fruit. All right, he had to use deception. You know, folks, I would tell you this. Satan is so crafty. I mean, this dude is crafty. You know, it's really, really, really funny because he had to tell her like, hey, do you, did God really mean that? I mean, come on, did he really mean that? You know, um, if you eat at this fruit, you know, um, God doesn't want you to be like him. You know, and you'll, he'll, he'll open your eyes. So that, that's what's going to happen, Eve. Well, of course, he's not going to say, you know what? Actually, Eve, if you eat of this fruit, what's going to happen to you is exactly what God said, that you'll surely die. So, you know, you can eat of it, but you'll, you'll die. Of course, you'd have been like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Just like if you were over my house and I wanted to poison you. I'm not going to say to you, oh, by the way, I have this fruit juice that is filled with arsenic and I have ice cubes with a dabble of cyanide. It'll be quite a tasty beverage. If I told you that, you would probably get up quickly, grab a weapon and try to get out of my house as fast as you could, like you're the gingerbread man, because you think I'm going to try Well, I am trying to kill you. However, if I said, would you like this glass of fruit punch? It's really tasty. You're going to go along with it. Because you're going to be more trusting of fruit punch than you are a beverage with arsenic. Okay? You're not, or cyanide. You're not going to go along with it. And so that's a necessary element for Satan to get his way in society is to use deception. And our institutions in America are some of the biggest arbiters of deception. See, institutions are necessary for the stability of a society. They give us something to trust and to believe in. They hold society together. They give us stability and comfort, something we want for our society to flourish. But what is very difficult for people is to recognize when trusted institutions are deceiving us, just like churches. And I am a Christian. I love Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. One of the days I look forward to is dying. Now, you may think, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Lady, you look forward to dying? Absolutely no. I don't look forward to dying, but I look forward to, I don't look forward to the process of death. I want to keep that at bay as long as possible. But I do look forward to the day I can look at my Savior and say thank you and just praise him. 
I look forward to that moment. So let's not get it twisted here, okay? However, many churches have failed people by deceiving them. Many pastors have their own agendas. Many churches are teaching things that are biblically incorrect. You see this kind of stuff all the time. How many stories have we seen about pastors running all kind of... It was a story not that long ago um, in Ohio, a church that was running a sex trafficking ring. I mean, how many stories have we heard of priests having sex with children? I mean, we've heard these kinds of stories all the time. So our churches, many churches have lost their way, no longer concerned with spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and more concerned with perpetuating their own agendas. I've seen, I've sat and seen churches where not once the pastor mentioned hell. Let me tell you something, folks. If you are going to a church and your pastor does not mention hell, sin, salvation, repentance, if those are centrals and integrals every Sunday, you need to get out of that church in quick, fast, and hurry because they have another agenda and it is not Jesus. It is themselves. Just saying. So you've had one of the reasons why our society is so sinful. I mean, people are always, humans are always sinful. Let's just, that's why we're all deserving of hell. Um, hell, that's the perfect way for me to say it. Um, but that's one of the reasons why we've always struggled with sin. But, but the reality is that churches aren't preaching enough about it. So our, our, our trusted institution, one of the most trusted institutions in society, the church isn't doing its job. And so it perpetuates all types of problems. So you have people believing and pushing just horrible theology that it lines up. It sounds like the next social justice warrior book more than anything out of the Bible. So that is extremely, extremely problematic. That is extremely problematic. So that is what's hurting us more, our institutions letting us down. Another one is the media. You know, the media have, have you know, when you think about like in colonial America, um, the media, the, the, or the way our printers or our, our newspaper outlets were founded would be basically like, a, I mean, say me and, and this guy, I don't know, somebody named Sam, we're at war. Not literal war, but we don't like each other. I hate Sam. He sucks, you know. And so I would start my own newspaper printing all kind of really nasty things about Sam, like Sam and, you know, he, he, he cheats on his wife and, you know, he, he, you know, he's a eunuch or something crazy like that. Just like, just start like slamming a guy. All right. And then he will put out newspapers, uh, stories about me, like, you know, she's a prostitute, you know, just really trying to dig at each other. And the goal would be to get our newspaper out first to slam the other person. And as you see, even now we have newspapers and outlets that are geared towards certain audiences, focused on certain things and highlight certain truth. Now, the thing about it is just because newspapers focused on certain topics more so than others, that doesn't mean it's a false paper. The problem becomes because all papers do that. Like I read um, the Christian Post every morning. I just do. You know, the problem becomes if they're lying or if they're perpetuating false narratives to push a certain agenda. And our newspapers have always have been doing this. They're doing it now. If you think about, like, in the early 20th century, a lot of the race riots, or we hear these, like, crazy stories of, like, a black a town full of black people just being burned to the ground, all the men are just lynched. You hear stories, you think, like, the Tulsa riots or, uh, like, Rosewood or a lot of these incidents that happen. It would be the newspaper flame, faming, fanning the flames. So they would write a headline, Crazy Negro Man Did This Crazy Negro did this. And so they will push those types of headlines and incite racist white people to go and like, just start murdering black folks. It was it was really wild. I mean, this kind of stuff happened. And so our newspaper has really not changed today. If you think about it, a lot of the riots that we see, they may not be pushing that type of violence, but they're pushing and supporting new types of violence, whatever their particular agenda is, because 
our media now are covering up for a lot of these riots. These are peaceful protesters. They just want to help the poor little Negroes, you know, and it's just not true. It's not true at all. And, and then, too, they don't even care about the consequences of these riots. You know, after the murder of George Floyd, you know, and you had the protests. And I, I don't know a person who wasn't troubled by that murder because it was just so like, you know, when you, it's one thing to hear about something, but it's something else to see it. When you see it, it has a whole nother level of impact on you. So the protests were never a problem. However, a couple of problems happened with our news media and their little deception machine. Um, and I don't know why. I like need to fix my mic. I have to keep leaning over to like create some kind of sound effect. I'm, I'm so weird like that. Anyway, <laughs> but, but nevertheless, um, one of the problems was, is the media said, look at these people, they're, they're tearing up the community, they're frustrated. They're, a lot of the people weren't even from the neighborhood. You know, as you can see in this clip right here, this guy, it he has an umbrella, he's covered, he has on like a gas mask, he's just busting out windows. I mean, what does this have to do with George Floyd? What, what does the AutoZone do? And I'm going to cut the clip here, but if you can see it even further, if you continue watching the clip, there's a guy who confronts the other guy. He confronts him like, hey, man, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? You know, so a lot of the people were burning down businesses and and, and they even burned down like a, a, a low income housing building. Like, what? how is that going to help the situation of police brutality? It doesn't make any sense. And, and what's so frustrating, the people of the media didn't call it out because, see, the public, again, that goes back to trusted institutions. The public trusts the media to inform them about what's happening. And, and number one, no one should blindly trust any institution. Let me let me pause and make that say that first and foremost. You don't blindly trust anybody, okay? Even your pastor. I don't care how much you love your pastor, because even the church I attend, I do like my church, but there are some things that they do I do not agree with, okay? No church is going to be perfect, but you are to have a personal relationship with God yourself. That's your responsibility. You can't lean on your pastor to guide you through life. Now you should turn to their leadership and instruction, but you lean on Jesus. And one of the reasons why people fall to such false theology is because they're leaning on their pastor to lead them through life. That's not, his job is to help educate, encourage, and, and correct, not to be your leader. Your leader is Jesus. And so what happens is, is that People don't study the scripture for themselves. That's how you people, you have like these cults that say, you know, Jesus is going to come back on this, this, this day. I mean, what are you basing that on? The Bible clearly teaches that nobody knows. So how can this guy on the corner say he knows? It's just, it's just, come on, folks. You know, but that goes back to even with our media. If you don't think things through critically yourself, you just fly the clip. The media told us. So it must be true. Like, you didn't even think about it. So, like, one of the frustrating things is that you're telling people, like, hey, this is bad for the community. Well, people are fed up. A builder can be replaced. A person can't. Okay. Pause. Pause. Okay. The, the communities that all these riots are happening in, uh, you, the, the, plus, okay, the, the riots are supposed to be to helping the Negro, helping the black people. But the people who are going to be hurt most from these riots or peaceful protests where COVID doesn't spread. Apparently, COVID has, um, has a mind of its own. And socially acceptable practices based for liberals is where COVID doesn't spread. Apparently, the disease has that type of self-awareness. I just thought I would remind you of that. But um, the communities that they were destroying were predominantly Black people, especially poor Black people. And all of the deaths during the riots 
were black people. So, hmm. like when Seattle, the little chop zone, the people who got murdered in the chop zone were black. Hmm. Yeah, just marinate on that for a minute. I'm going to let y'all marinate on that for a minute. So, nevertheless, when you think about it and you burn down the buildings. Okay, so I burned down a business. So, just so we back up. Real elementary, maybe high school economics, a political science, I don't know. Maybe economics, I'm not sure. So when you have your schools, your police force, all these different things, guess who fund them? Wait, wait for it, wait for it. You ready, you ready? Taxpayers, oh my gosh, what a novel idea. So that's why we pay taxes. We pay taxes to fund city services like garbage, police, and all kind of stuff. If you go in like poor community, communities, if you live in like a northern state like I do in Michigan where we have snow, so a lot of communities, they don't have good sidewalk, uh, street shoveling. Now that may seem to you like, oh, street shoveling. Let me tell you something. If you live in a state where it snows, you know how it goes. Ooh, I am rhyming, folks. You know how it goes. So if it snows and you don't shovel the snow quickly, when the snow first falls, it's like little, it's like powdery. So you can shovel it real fast. But once it sits for a little while, it turns into ice. So a lot of in the poor neighborhoods, the streets are really dangerous because there's not enough money to properly sweep, I mean, shovel the roads. So that is something that may seem minor, but it's major in the wintertime because it can be very dangerous. If, I'm telling you, if you've driven on ice or when it's snowing, you... I've had a spin out and trust me, buddy, it is super scary. All right. So you need tax dollars to provide those types of services. But if businesses are destroyed in a community, especially Minnesota, because they have worse winters, just thought I'd throw it out there. But if the businesses leave the community because they've been burned down and you had the city officials saying stupid stuff like, oh, we're going to. We're going to get rid of the police. And, and even old ridiculous CNN, they interview one of the city council members in Minneapolis. And they said, so if you get rid of the police, what, what if, if the burglar or rapist breaks into the house? And this is what this dumb woman, and I'm going to say that, and, and I do not feel bad because I believe in scripture, I got to check in, that people were called fools. I believe Paul called people fools, so I'm going to call this lady a fool. She sat here and said, well, if someone is in your house, and the lady asked, what if someone's in your house and a woman's being raped? And she said, well, you need to sit back and think about your privilege. Folks, so if I'm laying there being raped, instead of thinking about how I can call the police, because apparently in her world, there are no police, I need to sit and think about my privilege as I'm being raped. That sounds like a plan. I mean, this is crazy, man. It's just stupid. So nevertheless, when you got these kind of idiots on city council, and that's what they are. They're idiots. I, I mean, if I'm wrong, God forgive me. But that is just ridiculous. That is just nonsense. And just burn these, these people are angry. But if those, those businesses are gone, right? And then what person in their right mind want to live in a community that if the Flower child city council people who live in a false reality decide that it's permissible for people to burn down buildings. Why would I want to live in a community like this? Somebody could burn down my house, my business, everything I work for. And the city council will go, oh, well, they were just angry and frustrated and they didn't know what to do. Like, this is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. And you got people who don't even live in these communities burning them down, busting out windows like the guy with the umbrella. And then in the mask, I mean, he's just busting out a window. Like, what purpose does that serve? So then what happens is, is those communities lose tax dollars. 
And so the schools have less money, the, the residents have less city services. It's not the residents doing this. I mean, some of it were residents, but they, they but a lot of their people were not even in the community. Like even in Detroit, Chief James Craig said a lot of these people that were trying attempted to riot don't even live in Detroit. So what was the media was playing cover for a lot of these people? They were playing total cover. And so why the media is paying cover? Because they're Marxists. They're Marxist sympathizers. They're the Marxists or they're Marxist sympathizers, period. And so what happened is, is that the media isn't talking about that because the way people follow the crowd, like we, we're like herds. We're like, you know, people are like, we are literally like sheep. I'm, I'm come to the continue humans are like sheep. We literally follow the crowd. Rarely do people think stuff through. So if the media would be like, you know, well, we understand that something horrible happened, but this is a terrible idea because the aforementioned things I just talked about, then people are going to be like, yeah, that is bad. Ooh, that is bad. We should do that. You know? But even like in um, Portland, in Portland, they're burning Bibles. Look at this. I, I'm trying to figure out how is this peaceful? Then they said, the wall of moms. Just because you have a vagina, that doesn't mean that whatever behavior you're participating in makes it is acceptable. I'm sorry. These are moms. A woman can be ignorant just like a man. Just because you procreated or possessed the organs to procreate, um, to carry a baby in your womb, that doesn't mean that, oh, this is a mom. Oh, the wall of veterans. How do we know these people are veterans? Anybody can get military gear or army camp the camouflage or whatever like and i don't care if they were that doesn't make their behavior okay and these people were vandalizing and and, and fighting and look at this what, what does this have to do with george floyd nothing they're just a bunch of marxists and anarchists and so the media is playing cover for them they're protecting them because a lot of the people in the media are just straight up marxists they're globalists. And I, and I will get into explaining globalism in another episode um, because a lot of people do not really believe um, that it is a real threat. It is a, it's a real threat. It is a real threat that we are experiencing and people take it as a joke. See, the thing about it is Marxists have been playing a long game for almost 90 years. They are good. They're crafty. You know, and, and the Marxists always knew the road to Marxism in America would come through black America and has, and Latino Americans, Hispanic Americans. They knew that was the road to Marxism. And they've been doing it for years. You think one of the most brilliant economists ever, Thomas Sowell, said that he used to be a Marxist. Uh, Saul Alinsky knew that in order to bring Marxism to America, it would have to come through an aggrieved people group. And who were more aggrieved, especially in the 1960s, than black people? There was no group more aggrieved. So so he had to say, hey, the answer to this is Marxism. Notice, notice how a lot of people say, we have to bring in Marxism to fight racism. How? If America is systemically racist, what makes you think the redistribution of goods and resources will be equitable if it's systemically racist? Mm. You know, that, that doesn't make sense. So they use these ridiculous excuses to push Marxism. That's what they do. And, and for people to, for the media to keep covering up for these people. I mean, again, what does burning Bibles have to do with this? Nothing. What does vandalizing a federal courthouse have to do? Nothing. You know, they, they're bringing in issues that have absolutely nothing to do with it. So it's no longer about George Floyd. It's about pushing Marxism in blackface. 
just like with Black Lives Matter. They're a Marxist group. They're just pushing Marxism in blackface. So, it, it, and that's the danger of the, the whole let's make everything racist. And that's another form of deception because it's like this. Are you, is racism exist? You know, people like to ask these dumb questions. Does rape and murder exist? Duh. I mean, any type of human evil is simply tribalism. And this comes from us being deceived and not knowing much about history. Human beings have been evil to each other for years. I mean, you think about in Rwanda, I believe were the, the Tutsis and the Hutus. They were both people groups in Rwanda and they were literally murdering each other. People have a tendency to be like, my tribe, your tribe, you're bad, boo. You know, people have been doing this forever. This is it's nothing new. But some people make their tribe the most important thing in their life. And whatever tribe that may be. And to me, the most important tribe to me is the tribe of Christ. Okay, that that to me is the most important thing in the world is following Christ, because even though to me, I said the most important tribe is the tribe of Christ, because even as a Christian, people who are not Christians, I'm commanded to love and care for them, not to harm them. But depending upon how you interpret protecting your tribe to be, sometimes that will include for those individuals committing acts of violence or mistreatment against people who don't belong to the tribe. But as a Christian, people who don't belong to the tribe of Christ, we are commanded to love them and care for them. And hopefully that they will come in. And even if they don't, we still have to love and care for them and be kind to them anyway, because that's what God wants to do. And that's what a good human being does. So let's not ask stupid questions. However, does it rise to the level the way the media makes it out to be? No, it does not. It does not. So what they do is they make everything about racism. So if you don't support this, it's racism. If you support this, it's racism. If you don't support that, it's racism. So in that way, whenever they want to push an agenda, they claim that they're pushing it to fight racism. So now the new thing is that capitalism supports racism. So when you say capitalism supports racism, you're basically saying that people who aren't white are too stupid and lack the capability to be self-sufficient. So that we must nurse on the government's boob to survive. That's essentially what you're saying. That that is That is what you're saying. And... That is not true. That is really insulting. It's really insulting to say that we aren't capable. We lack the intelligence. We lack the capability to be self-sufficient. So we need the government to carry us over. That's essentially what it's saying. Now, that's not what they say verbatim, but that's essentially what's going on. You know, so so the thing about it is, is that when they want to push Marxist policies and, and down capitalism, I mean, the thing about it is where has Marxism ever worked? It, it has never worked anywhere. So why should we try it now? Because if this is the thing, quickly about Marxism, the whole point of Marxism is that we all, it's like this one giant collective and we eliminate labels. Because if you notice the left push diversity, they're like, diversity is a strain. Diversity, diversity, oh my gosh, diversity. Uh. Okay, but the diversity they want is diversity of physical appearance and sexual proclivity. What they don't want is diversity of opinion. That's what they don't want. Because, of course, they have to push physical and racial and ethnic diversity because the whole point of Marxism is a global movement. You're not going to have, like, the Hitlerist-style master race globally. That's just not going to work. Because there's more diverse groups than there is just one people group, you know, if that makes sense. So, um... The only way you're going to have a global government is if you rally around this concept of diversity to get everybody involved. 
So that's what the left does. They push the idea of diversity to get everyone jumping on the Marxist bandwagon. And so the idea is if you eliminate distinctions between people um, and you break down the family, if you break down religious allegiance, if you break down national allegiance, then you bring an allegiance to the collective, then you can basically have this equitable society where there will be no imbalance in power or poverty amongst us. Now, here are several problems with that. Number one is just the antithesis to human nature. Human beings naturally like to be, we like to do our own thing. We like to do what we want to do. From the moment we're born, what, what, what are the thing our parents have to do? They have to raise us. Why? To get us in line and not allow us to just do what we want to do. I mean, if you have children out there, you know, trying to get a kid. I mean, if I put a bowl of cookies on the table and I say, don't touch it, the kid is figuring out, doing all types of mental gymnastics of how can I achieve my goal of getting this cookie without mommy knowing. I mean, that's just what kids do because that kid wants that cookie. They want to rebel. That's what humans want. We want to do our own thing. So to, to the idea that you're going to get this co global collective to follow along with these set of principles is ridiculous. I mean, you can't even get people in the same house to go along with something, let alone the entire planet. I mean, how? 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 I mean, just think, just think about it all the way through. How are you going to get the entire planet to go along with something? You can't even get a neighborhood. To go along with something. So the only use is deception and violence. That's why Marxist regimes have always been so historically violent. Whether it's Castro, whether it's um, Mao in China, whether it's Che Guevara, all of them are necessarily violent because people do not just, you're not going to get everybody to do something. So you have to use real violence, deception, coercion, intimidation, threats. Those are the only ways to go along with it. And so now in America, they're using intimidation through social pressure. So like with Black Lives Matter, they're a straight up Marxist group. Think about the NBA. Everybody took a knee but one guy. I think two, two guys. And the one guy stood and wore the Black Lives Matter shirt, but he didn't kneel. The other guy didn't kneel and didn't wear a shirt. Of the whole league who's been playing so far. But the people who, the guy who didn't, he was chastised. And then he like hurt himself. So people were laughing at him. So they use intimidation to get you to go along with what they want to do. So Marxism necessarily includes violence. So also it erodes the family because see, when you, you, you don't want diversity in thought. See, families create diversity in thought because every nuclear family has its own set of beliefs, religious practices, blah, 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 blah. So if you erode the family, then everybody will be part of the collective. That's why I like Black Lives Matter. Any person who got some sense, unless you're just a straight up Marxist, you have no business supporting Black Lives Matter. When I see them signs in people's yards, I feel like ripping them up. When I see, <sighs> Jesus has been working on me using insults. You guys are going to see me grow in this process of this podcast. I don't know what adjective I want to use. These foolish people selling Black Lives Matter merchandise. I'm like, do y'all even know what they believe? That's one of the reasons why they're pushing getting rid of the nuclear family. And even the um, the African-American History Museum in D.C., the Smithsonian Museum, they listed an uh, element of whiteness as a nuclear family. So anything, and that's part of Marxism. Because if you get rid of the nuclear family, you have everybody allegiant to the collective. You know, that's the goal. You have to have people have pure allegiance to the collective. And so get rid of the nuclear family is an essential component of that. In addition, another essential component uh, is to get rid of religion. 
And like I've heard people say these stupid stuff, like uh, a friend of mine shared an article with me. Uh, this person was basically refuting a lot of the criticism of critical theory and this whole concept of whiteness and all this stuff. And the person was saying, there's Christian Marxists. Let me tell you something. You can't be a Christian Marxist. You cannot. You can't. You are extremely deceived or you're an agent of Satan. Period. There's no bottom line. Because if you read Communist Manifesto, see, this is the thing. Here's the thing, folks. Before you believe anything, you got to go to the primary source. Marx is the author. Karl Marx. That's where we get the term Marxism from. Okay? Karl Marx. You should read the book. Read the book so you can know what it's about, folks. Okay? So if you read the book, you will see what it's about. And when you read it, you will clearly see there's no space for Jesus in the Marx worldview. They want to get rid of religion. You can want to get rid of some all you want, but sweetie, that doesn't mean the truth does not still exist. So either you follow Jesus or you follow global. Because if you find most of these quote, quote, Marxists and communist Christians, they're not really Christian. They're pluralists. They just think that, well, Jesus is one way to understand God. Like, you're not a Christian, baby. You a new age, whatever you want to call yourself. I don't know what to call you, but you are a heretic. Okay, that's what you are. You're a heretic. So um, it's not possible. But the problem is that most people are deceived. They're deceived. They don't know what it's about. They're just following the crowd like sheep. And so one of the, the problems is, is that people don't take time to research things themselves. You've got to go to the primary source. You've you got to go to the primary source. And so so many people are being bullied and deceived into Marxism. And, and most Americans have no idea what's happening. And then one of the other things that they're pushing, they're pushing Marxism in blackface with Black Lives Matter, is that they're pushing, they want to get rid of heteronormativity and cisgender normativity. And, and here's the problem. I feel like the church is people are very queasy when it comes to talking about the LGBT movement. Because for so long, I feel like as a church, we have not been, you know, when it comes to certain sins, we are like, oh, we, those people are filthy. You're gross, you know. And so what has happened is, is that many people who have struggled with same-sex attraction, they have been um, treated or or, or uh, been made to feel like they're filthy when we're like they're extra filthy when we're all filthy. And I understand that the behavior in and of itself is unnatural. So like if I go have sex with a man right now, I'm not a married woman. It's not an invitation for DMs. Just what I'm saying. But I'm a single woman. So even if I was to go have sex with a man right now, it's still a natural desire. Well, if I were to go after a woman, that's an unnatural desire. And I get all that. But nevertheless, whether I'm engaging in unrepentant fornication or engaging in unrepentant homosexuality, hell is still hot. Then you're still going to go. It, don't, it doesn't matter. But the thing about it is, is that the left is now have this thing that you can't even ask questions. You can't even ask questions about homosexuality. You literally have to bow to the rainbow God. And it's important that we speak out because there's two things. Number one, they're pushing it in schools. It used to be like, and, and it used to be like, you know, accept your friends and family and be nice to them. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. I would never, like I mentioned in the last podcast, I have friends and family members who identify as gay, lesbian, and whatnot. And I would never go like, so, um... You know, hell is real, right? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit down there and enjoy them and spend time with them and laugh with them and have fun with them. They're not going to do that. And if, if the opportunity prevents, presents itself for me to witness and say, like, hey, you know, you you really shouldn't be doing this, then I'm going to take the opportunity. However, we there there's different things. There's one thing in your personal relationships with friends and family members and your neighbors. Then there's also, and, and there's 
in the sphere of like public education and in our churches, that is where like all that has to go subside. You have to be like a pit bull because what's happening is our federal government is coming and you have these groups that are coming into the schools to teach children that it's unsafe to explore their sexuality and gender identity. This is what's happening in schools and people are just like, oh no, it's not happening, no. And then if you say anything, it's like, you're homophobe. And groups like Black Lives Matter are pushing it because the reality is that heteronormativity and cisgender normativity exists because of, I don't know, that's how you make people. I, you know, I don't want to get into like the, the nasty details of sex and like the real gross, not gross, but the real like sketchy details of how the whole act goes down from like beginning literally from the thoughts to the end which is emission I don't want to have to go there but we all understand the purpose of sex is to make children and God put rules around sex for our own better man protection society the problem is is that in our society we normalize fornication and that's the thing so many people are so up in arms about the LGBT movement but only like it's a real small percentage of the population. It's like maybe like 5% of the population is actually gay or lesbian to self-identify. Now, a lot of people explore. Uh, we're not going to get off into that. That's a little hard to, to gauge. But it's a real small number. But most people are fornicating. And like, newsflash, fornication is still a sin. <gasps> Who would have thought it? Fornication is still a sin. Like I saw this Christian apologist. I've really recently discovered her name is Nefer, Nefer Nitty, and I think she's amazing. She is absolutely amazing. She um, focuses specifically on urban apologetics. And so what that is is she really does apologetics in the urban setting, really um, the specific objections that particularly come from black and Latino communities. That's what she deals with. She is phenomenal. Um, but nevertheless, she... Um, posted that a lot of Christians have more of a problem with pregnancy out of well and I'm like kind of um paraphrasing it but she's like you know Christians have a problem with pregnancy outside of marriage and not so much sex outside of marriage and it was funny because it's so true you have a lot of Christians who are like well you know God I understand I got needs and stuff and I'm like no sweetie it's hell is hot what are you talking about? No, that's not accurate. You know, and, and so um the problem is, is in our society like Satan is not going to just throw the frog in boiling water okay and i would even scale it back that our society got to this point when we okayed men cheating on their wives yeah see like the feminist movement didn't just come out of nowhere it didn't just like boom out of nowhere just women woke up one day and was like blank the patriarchy we're burning our bras marriage is slavery motherhood is slavery they didn't just come out of nowhere with that okay for years it was like your husband cheating on you with all the women in the neighborhood but maybe you should be a better in bed you know maybe you should cook better dinner maybe you need to shut your mouth and spread your legs a little better because maybe he wouldn't do that if you did these things so it was like this expectation that no matter what your husband did you were to just put up with it you were just put up with it he whatever he did oh well you know men gonna be men so eventually women were like I'm not dealing with this. And a lot of younger women were like, after watching their mothers and grandmothers be treated this way, they're like, who about to do this? Not me, boo. You know, so they were out of that. And then came the birth control pill. And it's true, the ability for a woman to control her birth does give her power. Because one of the things that ties women to men are children. So if I have the ability to control my birth, 
then I don't feel as tied to him. And it's easier for a woman to get away or leave a bad relationship if she does not have children. Because she can just get up and be like, I'm out. Bye. But if you have kids with somebody, it's a lot harder. And many women stay in these abusive relationships for, for the children. You know? So... When our society, and I'm going to get into that another topic uh, one day. I got so many things I want to talk about. I got a lot to say. Um, it's specifically feminism, and, and the church needs to address that, you know, because like even like a lot of like, outrageousness uh, we see in black America, um, it's obviously I'm a black person, but, uh, I, you know, um, I think it's obvious. Um, but nevertheless, a lot of the outrageousness we see and just like everything is racist. It's like, what? Y'all are ridiculous. But that didn't just come out of nowhere. It ain't like one day black people just wake up and say, woke up and it's like, you know what? You know what? Racism is real. It didn't just, <laughs> like, it didn't just magically happen. Things precipitated. And, and that's why we're here now because things have spiraled out of control. And the same is true with feminism. It didn't just like, yeah, we hate men. Like, no, women were being like literally abused for a long time and were told to stand by your man no matter if he blacks your eye and screws the neighbor. Like, stand by your man. So then what happened is the feminist movement was like, you know what, sisters, join us. And so instead of a kingdom response to what many women were experiencing, they turned to ungodliness and said, well, we about to go out here and have fun too. Men aren't going to be the only ones having fun. We got our abortion. We got our birth control. So I can go out here, give me an apartment and have all the sex I want with the men I want. And if I get pregnant, just kill the baby or get on birth control. Boom. That's that's essentially what happened. And so then as time progressed, then people were like, well, why be with men? Won't I experiment with the same sex? Why not? Because see, when, when anytime you take the purpose of something and make it secondary and make the, pres the pleasure primary, you're in territory for a lot of problems. Just think about food. Now, I love to eat. Who don't like to eat? Most people do, unless you're having an eating disorder, which I'm not trying to minimize. But for most people, you like eating. I love eating, right? You know, I just think about my favorite food is pizza. I love pizza. And I, and I not to get off topic, but I made, um, long, long, not that long ago, I got a pizza and I made it. It has like sprouted grain, a whole wheat crust, like sprouted grain, whole wheat, whole grain crust. It's super healthy. And I got like my organic tomato sauce and I got my mozzarella cheese and basil and garlic and onion. Now, when you think about it, that all is really healthy. You know, pizza can be healthy. Not a little Caesar's hot and ready. Mm, that's gross because you know after you've had it for about three seconds it starts to get nasty you need it soup piping hot like burning the roof of your mouth hot to be good right but the point i'm making is that pizza i made it was super delicious but it was super healthy those whole grains had phytonutrients in it the cheese had protein the tomato sauce had all kind of like um, amino acids and lycopene in there and basil is good for this and garlic is antibacterial all this stuff you get where i'm going with it so even though it was delicious but the fact that it was nutritious is what makes made it good for me so the point of food is to nourish the body but when we take the purpose of food which is to nourish our bodies and turn it into recreation and fun that's how you get obesity that's, that's how you get obesity okay and so let's take that in the context of sex the purpose of sex is to make children that is the purpose of sex however god made it fun Thanks, God. Okay? So God made it fun so we would do it because if sex was a painful, miserable process, guess what? Buddy, you wouldn't be here. 
most of us would not exist. If sex was a painful and a miserable endeavor, most of us would not be here. So God in his infinite wisdom made sex lots of fun. That way we would do it. And so the point I'm making is, is that we've taken the, the, the secondary benefit of sex, which is pleasure and, and mutual uh, bonding between a man and a woman, and we made pleasure the primary purpose, which is all sex is about fun. And then the, the child-rearing part is secondary. So now we got all these problems. So now since we for so long cheapened sex to just like this hobby, like I'm going to get a hamburger or something. So now we have people having sex all over the place where any and everybody can get their hands on. And it's causing a horde of social problems. A horde of social problems. That's another episode. The social consequences of immoral sex. It's a whole other thing. But I'm sticking on my topic of deception today. So what's happening is people are so deceived into thinking like, oh, it's just about fun. So then we've morphed to the point now where it's like, well, if sex is just about fun and pleasure and self-affirmation, then what's wrong if I want to go have sex with everybody on my block? Like, what's the problem? It's about self-affirmation and pleasure. And that's how we've arrived at this point there. If you don't bow to the rainbow God, you're a bad person. Because why do you care about how I want to pleasure myself? Everybody wants to pleasure themselves differently. So what business is it of yours how I want to pleasure myself? Well, here's the problem. We got a couple of problems. Number one, I care about your eternal soul. It's just like Christians have a hard time talking about sin. It's like churches don't want to talk about sin. I'm, I'm telling you, like, if I was a man, I would want to be a pastor. Because I would just absolutely want to get up there and be like, listen, everybody, y'all on y'all way to hell. And the reason why I say that, not to be funny, because it's like this. Uh, a really, really good friend of mine um, pointed, like, I think Teller, Penn and Teller, one of the comedians, whatever. He he's Basically, he's not a Christian, but he said that Christians should talk about hell if you really believe it. It's like if you saw your neighbor about to cross the street, right, and he had an ice cream cone in his hand. And he was just enjoying that ice cream cone, had his headphones on, was having a good time crossing that street, right? But you saw, like, a truck whose brakes was broken, like, barreling down the road. And you saw it coming, your unassuming neighbor is just licking his ice cream, jamming to his beats, and then would you go to yourself, wow, he's having a really good time. He is having a fabulous time and i think i'm not gonna say anything because if i do i would disrupt his and his ice cream no you're like this guy is gonna get hit up getting murdered like hey hey you can't get off the street you're gonna go do something so when christians don't speak about hell we are literally like the person watching their neighbor about to get killed by this 18-wheeler, but we don't know to run, want to disrupt his fun the purpose of speaking about these things isn't because it's like i'm so holy yes like it is stuff i would carry to my grave there are people who know me personally be like christina what girl i remember when you did this and i'm sure some point in my life i'm gonna have people be like christina i remember when you did this bring it on bring it on okay because i'm ready for it because jesus forgave me so i'm not worried about what you have to say about me but that's just the truth you know, we're supposed to speak up because we care about people's eternal souls. It's not because we're so holy. It's because we care about you and we love you. Okay, so that's the first issue. The second issue is that the sexual um, liberation people, because it's, it's not just the LGBT. They're the most active. It's all types of, just anything that rebels against God sexually. Um, they want to advocate it in society. But secondly, they want to teach it to children. So you want to put it in children's programs and in the schools. If you are a parent, you need to be paying attention to what your district is teaching regarding sex education. You need to be paying attention because a lot of districts, it's straight up pornographic, like straight up porn. Uh, I remember seeing a video um, in uh, for a state rep in Minnesota 
confronting officials from Planned Parenthood of what they were putting in it. Come to my pictures. I mean, I don't know. Can someone tell me why a fourth grader needs to learn about oral sex? I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many directions I could take that topic. And they would, you're probably like, was this really a Christian show? I mean, I'm just saying. Like, uh, why? There's, there's no reason for that. This just grows. This grows. There's no reason to tell a kid that. So these people are literally out of control. But that's what happens when you let Satan in. Like I said, he's like like the frog in the in the in the cold water. You don't just throw him in the hot water. You gotta turn it up a bit. And so what Satan is doing is trying to get children while they're small. See, the easiest, I feel, the hardest type of brokenness to get out of is sexual brokenness. Because humans have a desire to have want to have sex. Okay? Because it's fun. And then they once you've taken what's that desire for fun and you have got wrapped up in sin you want the fun see even like with drugs you're not chasing the heroin your heroin or crack or cocaine you're not chasing the drug itself you're chasing the satisfaction you get from the drug and so once a person has been conditioned to get satisfaction through a sinful act it's very hard to break them away from it because they want that satisfaction and so if Satan can get kids while they're little and the education system is being used as a tool to push sexual sin it's really going to be hard to break them out of that and then in addition to the fact we have a society telling members of the LGBT community that is your identity that is crazy so we are reducing these people to how they like to sexually pleasure themselves so they are at entire identity is rooted in how you like to sexually pleasure yourself that's disrespectful that's all they are so our brothers and sisters in society or our brothers and sisters in christ who struggle with same-sex attraction we're going to reduce them to that that is so reductionist no your identity whether you're a christian or not is that you were made in the likeness and, and image of god that is who you are not your sexual proclivity and then in our society, when you even say, well, hey, wait a minute, this is a bad idea, they want to say you're a bigot. But here are just some facts. Here are just some facts about this whole LGBT movement and why it's so dangerous. Not only is it bad for people spiritually, but it's bad for their health. It's bad for their health. This is just so crazy to me. I remember I was volunteering on a campaign. This was a couple years ago. And um, I was talking to this man. He was a doctor during the height of the AIDS epidemic. And he was saying he couldn't even tell. He was living in New York. He's like, I can't even tell my patients that their sex life is killing them because it's politically incorrect. So a doctor can't even save his patients' lives because it's politically incorrect to say so. That is horrible. That is horrible. We're talking about beautiful people that God has made who are being told by the media, the entertainment establishment, the medical community, that their sex life is healthy and safe. Like there's now this push to get gay men to take a, a, a drug called PrEP. Why do you need to take medication to be safe from having sex? That should be a clear indication that what you're doing isn't natural. When a man and a woman get together, I don't need to take medication to be safe. And just a couple of things like, and these are all CDC statistics. So you can't say, well, you got this from some kind of anti-gay right-wing website. Is this where you got it from? No. This is from the CDC. Um, when it comes to transgender people, they are three times more likely than natural, national average to get HIV. In 2014, men who have sex with men accounted for 83% of all syphilis cases. 83%. 83%. 
We're talking about like five to six percent of the current population. That's a myth. That is massive. And the people in general, that's nuts. Gay men are 17 times more likely to get anal cancer. See, here's the thing. And, and Christians have to be quit being so squeamish. That's one of the things I love about being a millennial. We do not care. We will talk about anything, okay? We have no shame. We have no hang-up. And it's important because a lot of people are like, oh, this is kind of gross. We're talking about people's lives. Again, if you notice, I'm criticizing the practice, not the people. Because we got to love the people. These are human. These are beautiful people we're being lied to. Think about that gay men are 17 times more likely to get anal cancer. See, because here's the thing, folks. The vagina is dually lined. Okay, so that way, when a man and woman have an intercourse, the friction doesn't cause any damage to the woman. In addition to the fact uh, it's naturally lubricated and it's filled with bacteria. And so that bacteria is because of the woman's uh, the, the proximity between her vaginal opening and her anus. So she doesn't get disease. So what happens is, is that the anus is singularly lined. And so by the nature of the act between gay men, she was like, well, all gay men don't have anal sex. Keisha, do we got to play games here? Because this is this is how people are. This is how men are typically having sex. So men who have sex with men. So the anus is singularly lined and loaded with blood vessels. Now, since sperm is an immune suppressant, and the reason why sperm is an immune suppressant or semen is an immune suppressant because it has to survive the vagina. So the, the, the fluids from a man's penis and the fluids from a woman's vagina are designed to work synergistically. They work together, okay, because the purpose is to make babies. So it's healthy for a woman to receive semen in her body. Well, it's not healthy for a man to receive another man's semen in his body because he is not only is he getting it anally, which means it's going that this immune suppressant is getting right to his bloodstream, but it's also also causing all types of ruptures in his anus, and it also damages the anal sphincter, which means it makes it weak and harder for him to hold his bowels. In addition to the fact that the lifespan for gay men is twenty percent less. So think about that. Gay men on average lose 20 years of their life. Again, this is a, this is love. This is love. You've got to tell people the truth. We are lying to people. In addition to the fact that the HIV transmission rate amongst gay men is 18 times higher. 18 times higher. And that's even if you factor in heterosexual couples compared to homosexual couples. So if you take a, a, a male-female couple where they choose to engage in anal sex and say two men, the AIDS rate is still higher because there's something about two men having sex in the, in the some of these details I'm going to leave out of the story, but just the nature of the act between two men. So even if you take a heterosexual couple compared to a homosexual couple and both have anal sex, they still are significantly more higher to get AIDS. Still significantly more higher because both parties are penetrating each other. Shall we leave there? Also, the damage of anal trauma, which I talked about, fecal matter in the penis. Also, it hurts their immune system. As I said before, the woman's vagina is designed to accept the immune suppressing semen from a man. We're designed to accept that. A man is not designed to accept immune suppressant from another man. So also, gay men are more likely to get H, H, uh, hepatitis B, hepatitis A, and HPV. And the reason why I'm speaking of men, because we know by the nature of the act, men have the equipment, shall we say, to cause more trauma to each other's bodies than women have. Because the women have to buy stuff, okay? And the men already come with the equipment. And so that's why it caught, they have more damage 
to their, um, and then also, like I said, with PrEP, like you have to take, the PrEP basically is this medication that men, gay men take to prevent themselves from getting AIDS. Like, so you got to take medication to prevent yourself from getting STD to go have sex. That should tell you that it's not natural. You shouldn't have to buy drugs to, to have sex. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and even amongst women, uh, and it, and this all from the CDC, and it says while all women have specific health risks, lesbians and bisexual women are are higher risk for certain diseases than other women, and one of them is gynecological cancers. Lesbian women are at a higher rate for gynecological cancers. In addition to the fact that HIV rate is even higher in lesbian women because a lot of lesbian women still have sex with men, and oftentimes they're having sex with gay men. A lot of men are bisexual, or they just they just want to have sex with somebody, and she happens to be there. She, it's just the way it goes. And so those are concerns. Herpes. Amongst heterosexual women, 24% of heterosexual women have herpes compared to 36% of hetero homosexual women have herpes. And also bacterial vaginosis is also higher in women who have sex with women. And so my, my point in saying this is that this, the, and it's so much more data when we talk about like domestic violence and all kind of drug abuse, we cannot claim to love people if we do not tell them the truth. You, you can't. You can't impede. This is what I'm talking about. Deception. And it's like these stone cold facts are being totally left out of the national conversation because it's like, oh, that's bigotry. No, it's love. You can't say you love people and not say these things. It's just like people who are on drugs. And, and the, part of the, the, the part of the reason why it's so hard to, to say these things so openly and so truthfully is because the media is deceiving the public saying, oh, well, you look at the suicide rate. Look at the suicide rate. It's because of stigma. And like even the CDC, they like, it's because of stigma. We don't know why we think it's stigma that's called stigma. How about the act itself is simply not natural? I mean, and why is it so hard? I, I get when you're dealing, it's like this, when you're dealing with your friends and family members, of course, it's hard to say these things because you love them and you don't want to hurt their feelings. But when you are a medical professional, when you are a medical professional or you're an educator, there's no space for that. There's no space for that. You have to simply tell the truth because you have to look for, look out for what's good for people because we have to care about people. And and that's really the truth. And, and our media and our entertainment, look at the entertainment industry. You see the, the waves. They are just the worst. So I'm talking about like Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle. And they have their that little boy parading him around talking about he's a girl. And they're getting all this notoriety because they're trying to normalize it. Like he's trans. Like what? He's like 12. He's 12. So you mean a 12-year-old boy? We're talking about the sexual proclivities and the sexual desires of a 12-year-old? Like this is pedophilic. And see, what people don't see is happening. The, great, the next great deception is going to be normalizing pedophilia. Because if you're going to argue that people's sexual proclivities and sexual desires are a result of birth, then how can you logically say that pedophile for pedophiles is not the same? You have to say it's the same for, for pedophiles. You have to. You have to. And so we have to think about these things. We, we have to speak up because, out of love. But the point, and this goes back to the problem of deception. Our educational system is pushing this stuff. The media, the entertainment, you got a lot of churches. Like one of the most disgusting things, when I say disgusting, I don't mean like, oh, I want to throw up. I mean like spiritually, that just hurt me spiritually. Is this pastor's wife, this pastor and his wife are parading their son around talking about he's trans. These people are agents of Satan. Any church, like I, I live where I live in Michigan, 
I live near Ferndale and I live near Royal Oak. If you're from Michigan, you know what I'm going with this. But I've seen churches flying rainbow facts. These are agents of Satan, period. And I know a lot of Christians that want to say, well, we want to be, you know, um, we don't want to say that. We want to be, you know, we, we want to be winsome. No, these people are agents of the devil. And the reason why I can say that so bluntly, that they're agents of the devil, because the scripture is clear. In Galatians 6, and you know, actually, I'm going to take the time to pull this up on my tablet because it's not fair. It's not fair. See, if you are in the ministry, if you are in your goal, your goal is to bring people to Jesus. That's it. Because you want to see people saved. You want to see people saved. That is it. That is your whole objective. And you have to speak the truth of what the Bible says so people will come to Christ. Okay. That that is that is just the truth. But if you have people in the church who are not who are who are not telling the truth, who are not being honest about what the Bible says, people are living in deception and they think what they're doing is okay. And you can't suit that. So yes, so it says, but now I'm writing you, not writing to you, not to associate with anyone who bears the name of the Lord. Uh, bears the name of the Lord, who bears the name of the brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, idolatry, reverie, drunkard, or swindler, not even eat with such a one. So if you are, and that is 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 9 through uh, 13. So he's even saying that if you are calling yourself a Christian, if you are professing Christ, and you are engaging in this sin, you're not even supposed to associate with people doing this kind of stuff. So if you are a church and you're over here telling people, hey, it's okay, it's normal, it's safe to engage in this type of sin, God is like, don't even talk to these kind of people because they are deceiving people. And I will get to first Galatians 5 another time. I'm running out of time. But like in Galatians 5, it talks about that. That people who engage in unrepentant sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's like this. God knows your heart. If you fall, if you stumble, God is there to pick you up. But you have to repent. But if you are telling people that what they're engaging in sinfully is okay, they're not going to repent. Because they think it's okay. So you're literally helping Satan drag these people to hell. That's why I say they're agents of Satan. And most of it is deception. Deception. Because people want affirmation, not truth. I've been guilty of that because there are things in my life that I want to do. Because there's like people act like when you become a Christian, you just sin is gross. That's not true. There are some stuff that I, I wish I could do, but I can't as a Christian. That is so true. There are so many people like I think of Jackie Hill Perry and I'm gonna wrap up here. And she's a Christian. She um, used to live a, a lesbian lifestyle. And she said, that, hey, I still struggle with same sex attraction. She's honest, like she still struggle with that feeling. She's married and got kids. Just because you're a Christian, that doesn't mean the desire to sin leaves you. But you love Christ more than sin. And when you feel yourself stumbling or going in that wrong direction, you repent and turn the other way. I have to do it. We all have to do it. The life of a Christian is not perfection. It is repentance. Do not be deceived. And we are being deceived by our institutions and society. So I'm going to stop there. You guys have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to It's Solid Food. And make sure you join me again for the next episode. And also be sure to check out my website, www.ChristinaCaramo.com on Facebook and the Christina Caramo Project, Instagram, Caramo the Great, that's G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave and be bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. I will see you Thursday, seven o'clock. Toodles.